welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 6, Halloween. Oh, so good. I, shockingly, don't have any announcements for this week, which is fine, as I know we both have a ton to say about this episode. Oh, yeah. We were, before we started recording, we were just saying this is one of our favorite episodes for so, 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 Mm -hmm. so, so many reasons. It's so good. This episode is all-time top three, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This this episode, when when it first aired, yeah, I was just, it's so exciting. (laughs) Like, it just changed. It changed everything. Like, it, it changed did. everything that you knew about Giles. It just opened up a whole new world. It aired October 27th, 1997, and yes, that was still a Monday. Our synopsis is, a spell turns trick-or-treaters into their costumes persona, leading to a peaceful Princess Buffy. Then, as monsters fill the street, Sergeant Xander and the Ghost of Willow <laughs> get tough. I'm not gonna lie, that is like the best description I've read so far. No, that that definitely is, that's so good. Oh my god. And what are our international titles? Do we have any that are we do. not just uh, translations of the word Halloween? We do have a couple. We, we do have three because most of them were just Halloween. Yes. But German, as always, <laughs> really provides us. We have the Night of Transformation. German is always very esoteric. Oh, it is. It like sometimes like it goes back and forth between German, French, and Japanese because those languages have such intricacies to them. It always yeah. has one of those three is usually where it's at. Polish, we have All Saints Eve. Okay. And Portuguese from Brazil is just trick or treat. Uh, well, with works. a question mark. <laughs> yeah, but everything else was just Halloween. Uh. I mean, understandable, but also kind of a letdown. I know, I know, but at least, at least the German provided us, the Germans provided us with something. That's true. Yeah, it's like, De Nacht der Verwandlung. <laughs> oh, that, well, that just sounds fun. I know, I know. German is always fun to try to say. So we do have a previously on. Yes, Mostly we do. centered around Spike and Drew. Of, of course, because you got to remember where we saw him. Saw you got to remember. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's reintroducing them to the viewing audience, letting us know that they are currently the two in charge. Because they haven't, we haven't seen them since school hard. No, we haven't. Yeah. Then we're off to Pop's Pumpkin Patch, where a painted sign lets us know that there are only two days left until Halloween. Right before Buffy, mid-fight with a vampire, lands on a jack-o'-lantern smashing it. <laughs> She reaches behind her, grabbing gourds and small pumpkins, which, yes, I know technically are also gourds, but yes, just go yes, with me here. Fine. We're, we're here. To throw at the vamp as she gets to her feet. She tosses a stake, but her opponent isn't dumb. Obviously, he got Joe's welcome package. Yeah, he did. And so grabs a scarecrow, the wooden object embedding in that, and not his heart. The fight continues. Buffy unaware that she's being recorded by a second vampire, and it's here in this scene that we see vampires can be recorded and or photographed in the Buffyverse as her opponent shows up in the point of view shot through the camcorder. Eventually, Buffy does manage to get him down on the ground, and she grabs the sign from earlier, shoving it into his heart. Poof! 
No more vamp. The one recording slinks back into the shadows as Buffy makes her way across the pumpkin patch, leading us into the credits. Still awesome. They will always be awesome. They will always be awesome. I like this opening, this cold open, just because like it's just Buffy in action. You know, somebody's Mm -hmm. recording her. Like there's no dialogue. It's just her doing what she's doing and somebody being a creeper and recording her (laughs) doing it. And this also brings up, I think we we, talk, we we tried to hash this out before, but it's very interesting that vampires can be recorded, but they don't have reflections. So I think vampires today would have reflections. And so this goes back to the whole thing at the time that vampires were getting, the vampire myth was getting very popular. Right. In the time of like Dracula and stuff, when we were kind of establishing these rules. Yeah. Because mirrors were made of silver. Exactly, exactly. And that's why he should have had, I, I felt like you should have a reflection in glass. Yeah, yeah. But of course, since no reflection has become a staple of the vampire myth, yeah, they're not going to go back it was on that. Always because silver, silver has so much basis in so many of the old. Well, because lore. it's a pure element. Yeah. So, like, you have, you know, you have the the vampires, and and even that's another reason why they weren't able to be recorded on like old film and old cameras because there was a lot of silver in those old formats. So like an old 16 millimeter reel, you wouldn't get a vampire because the basis of that is silver. But it makes sense that with our technology that we have today, we don't use mirrors anymore. We don't use silver with all of that. So they should be able to be recorded. Yeah. It's just, it's just an inconsistency. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that like we established these myths and it's across the board. It's not just in Buffy. Like, oh yeah, no, every blood, the vampire diaries, whatever, anything where we've reached modern times, a vampire should have a a reflection now. Yeah. And I would love, I would love to see a vampire that was created before, you know, before our modern mirrors see themselves for the first time in a mirror. Who's writing the new vampire like chronicle series? Can we like get them to do this? Because if anyone is going to be fascinated by their own reflection, it's going to be Lestat de Leoncourt. Seriously. Oh God. Can you imagine the first time he sees his reflection again? Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to need this. That, oh my, he would be insufferable Mm -hmm. the entire time. He, He would just be insufferable. Everybody around him would have to listen. I mean, they have to listen to how beautiful he is anyway, but he will just stand in the mirror and be like, look, look at my reflection. Isn't it pretty? Look at me. And everybody be like, yes, you're very pretty. Go away. Yes, you are the prettiest princess in the land. We got shit to do. We got, we got, we got to work. Let's, let's go. But I'm so pretty. We return from the credits to the small child nightclub, all decked out for Halloween, might I add, where Angel sits awkwardly at a table waiting. Cordelia joins him, lamenting that the bronze is so not happening. Angel says he's waiting for Buffy, and Cordelia says she's supposed to be meeting Devin, but that he's nowhere around. Like being in a band gives him permission to flake or whatever. (laughs) But it's fine. His loss is Angel's incredible gain. A sentence which makes Angel smile. Politely. Politely. No, he definitely was just tolerating her. Yeah. But of course, that's when Buffy enters, looking around to see if she can spot Angel. When she does, she sees him and Cordy sitting together talking. Angel's laughing, again politely, at something Cordelia's saying. And so Buffy just turns to leave, which is when Angel sees her. 
He gets up, heading for the door, stopping her just as she's about to exit. He's about to say something when she cuts him off. She's late. She knows. It was a rough day at the office. He picks a piece of straw out of her hair, and she says it's a look. A seasonal look, even. Cordelia comes up behind Angel, telling Buffy she loves the hair. The whole look just screams street urchin. Buffy decides she needs to go put a bag over her head, but Angel tells her not to listen to Cordelia. She looks great. He's sweet. A horrible liar, but sweet. But what about their date? Dates are for normal girls. Ones who can afford to think about things like nail polish. Want to know what she thinks about? Ambush tactics. Beheadings. Not exactly the stuff dreams are made of. Turning towards the door, she leaves. But it's okay, because Cordelia is there with a cappuccino. <laughs> you know, I know we give I know we give them a lot of shit. We give we give Buffy and, and Angel a lot of shit. Yes, we but do. If, if anybody can understand what Buffy's going through, it's Angel. It is. Like yeah, he, he he legitimately understands and he he doesn't care what she looks like. I know she's just going through a teenage thing where She is. She is. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the episode, because I think for someone who went through this at the beginning of the episode, she's given Willow a little bit too much shit about Willow's insecurities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Um, because she's not dealing with like Joe Normal from the high school. She's talking to someone who also fights vampires. Yeah. Who is a vampire? She should give him a, I mean, I don't say this often. I know. She should give him a bit more credit in this conversation. In, in, in In this episode. And then that's why I said, like, I know, like, there's so much more that that we can give angel shit on but in this moment and come on like we know he's not going to be interested in cordelia at least not yet at least not yet not yet but with angel he okay he doesn't have a lot of friends that are alive (laughs) or human and she has seen cordelia pull this shit before yeah she pulled this with owen she pulls it all the time like this is what she does she sees she sees somebody that she knows buffy is interested in And she swoops in because she's Cordelia. I love her, but that's what she does. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, she's just giving, like, Buffy is just giving him a little bit too much shit tonight. And she just had, she just had a rough night and she was feeling. She did. Yeah, so we can give her that, but this isn't a bet. This isn't a mark against Angel tonight. (laughs) No. (laughs) And he really, he really perked up when she walked in. He was so bored with Cordelia. And he was just so excited to be able to get out of that situation because he is polite. Yes, he he was. He was a good angel. I'm going to pick on Angel a little bit farther down in this episode. But right here, he was he was a good angel. Yeah, he just looked like a he just looked like a 20 something who was stuck in a conversation that he didn't want to be in with a vapid high schooler. And Mm -hmm. Buffy's here. Like he just perked up like a puppy. Exactly. So going back to Buffy's line about the stuff dreams are made of. I don't. I don't know if this is an exact reference, but the stuff dreams are made of is a fairly famous phrase. It appeared first in The Tempest, a play by William Shakespeare, and then later was actually the title of a 1987 Carly Simon song. I do love The Tempest. It's such a good one. It's, it's one of my... I mean, all of Shakespeare is good, but it oh, is such yeah, a good one. It's yeah. a fun one. It's fun. No, it's fun. Yeah, especially, and I highly recommend for an adaptation of the movie, the one with Helen Mirren as Prospero. Mm-hmm. And of course, we haven't really talked about it on here, but my love for Ben Whishaw. So him playing Ariel in that movie is <sighs> is so good. Yeah, that whole that whole movie. So if you need to see an adaptation of it, that's not completely boring. The one with Helen Mirren is great. We move to Sunnydale High and the next day where a sign tells us volunteers needed. (laughs) 
Clipboard in hand, Snyder grabs students as they pass by, telling them that they're volunteering. Buffy, Xander, and Willow enter, and Willow says that Snyder must be in charge of this year's safety patrol. Off Buffy's confusion, Xander explains that the little kids around Sunnydale need people to take them trick-or-treating. With a yikes, Buffy says she'll stick to vampires. Right as Snyder grabs her. Of course. Seems she is just the juvenile delinquent he was looking for. He understands Halloween must be a big night for her. Throwing eggs, keying cars, bobbing for apples. What? Bobbing for apples? <laughs> Sir, one of those things is not like No, the other. no, no. I, I didn't. I mean, I'm not good at bobbing for apples, but I didn't realize that that was a sign of juvenile delinquency. Well, maybe not juvenile delinquency because he does call them all pathetic cries for help oh that's true but (laughs) so maybe bobbing for apples is a pathetic cry for help i'm not not sure how maybe there you go maybe because it looks like you're trying to drown yourself maybe maybe snyder just misinterpreted that maybe snyder just is not i don't know i have nothing Anyway, not this year. He directs her towards the sign-up table as she says that she has tragically developed carpal tunnel and therefore can no longer hold a flashlight. <laughs> yeah, Snyder isn't buying it. No, that's that's the flimsy excuse. He just hands her, and Xander and Willow, a pen, telling her that the program starts at 4 p.m. and the kids have to be home by 6 p.m. Okay, that makes no sense on a lot of levels. Oh, a lot of levels, yeah. One, people aren't going to be home from work and ready to have their children for trick-or-treat by 4 p.m. Two, we see later that it is dark. It is dark, yes. When the kids are out. And it would not have been that dark before 6 p.m. Oh, God, no. Like, no. I know we're talking about little kids, but I think they could have said 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., and it would have just made it a whole lot more believable. Yeah, yeah, because especially, because and, and 4 o'clock is early. Things yeah. usually don't get started until 6 o'clock. Yeah, so that whole thing, I was like, uh, we could have just moved this down two hours, and it would have increased your believability a whole bunch, but okay. But you know what? It is Sunnydale. It is Sunnydale. Maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe the mayor's office sets it, and they're like, mm, we're not going to take a chance. Small children yeah. need to be home by 6 o'clock. Yes, yes. We, I know we're, I know we're pretty evil, but, I mean, hey, look, he's a family man. He is. He, he wants is, his kitties home and safe. As, as he reminds us, he's a family man. So, yeah, so he just wants the kids to be safe. Heading for the student lounge, the three talk about how costumes are mandatory. Buffy's particularly bummed as she had plans to do nothing. Halloween is the one night a year things are supposed to be quiet for her. Dead for the undead, according to Giles. I find this to be a really interesting piece of Buffy mythology. That Halloween is the night where nothing happens. I also find it interesting because what did they do on every other Halloween? Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. Oh, cool. Yes. Because traditionally, Halloween is considered the night when the veil between the living and dead is the thinnest. Yes. So while it may not be a vampapalooza, you'd think there'd be an increase in other types of paranormal activity. Yeah, but no, what I'm also, no, what I'm saying is they're acting like this is her first Halloween in the town. Well, it's only her second. That's true. But what happens, that's why I want to know, like, what did she do last Halloween? Well, the show started after October, so. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So I think this is the whole thing where I wasn't sure what our timeline for season one is because so much of Buffy takes place in the real world that I thought she came in during second semester because obviously the school year had already started. Right, right, yeah. But then references to, I don't know, it got very confusing. Yeah, this this is once again trying to make logic where logic 
doesn't necessarily exist. But yeah, so I thought you'd see like other types of paranormal right, activity. Right. But yeah. no. Anytime we see trouble on Halloween throughout the series, it's brought on by human interference. Yep. This time it's Ethan. In season four, it'll be the fact that the frat boys accidentally summon a fear demon. Of course. In season six, it's the fact that the guy has a that Don has a crush on is a vampire. And I think in that episode, they even acknowledge again that Halloween is a nothing night, but, you know, this guy and his friend really yeah, like yeah. Don and her friend. And so they went on Halloween because they're planning to, like, turn them. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm really curious the reason for this, why, like, they didn't embrace the idea of Halloween as a night when this veil thins. And I just... We do I, say, I mean, I think also the thing is... That would be expected. And we live we live in this town with the Hellmouth where everything supernatural can happen. So it is kind of interesting that the whole thing about Halloween being the night when the veil is the thinnest is just flipped around. And it's the night when very little happens supernaturally. Now, again, like tonight we're going to see, you know, it's going to be all Ethan's fault. So, no, that is an interesting way of doing it. And again, this... This could be me making, trying to make logic happen. <laughs> well, no, but I, that's that's actually what I was wondering is yeah. because like, is this another situation of us turning our tropes on their heads? Mm-hmm, where like, mm-hmm. you expect Halloween to be this big in there. No. Yeah. It's not so, a thing. So they're going out thinking that everything is going to be slow. And then Giles's ex-boyfriend comes in and fucks <laughs> shit up. <laughs> oh, not wrong. <laughs> Not yeah, no, I did call. I I did. Uh, I did subtitle this the night that Giles's ex boyfriend comes to town to make his life difficult. Yeah, pretty yeah, accurate. That's yeah. Xander says that's why we love vampires. They always keep us guessing. As he puts <laughs> his bag down and heads over to the soda machine, and yes, I'm going to be old for a moment and bring up the fact that this is 1997, and so the sodas in that machine are only sixty cents. Oh my god, I know. And the way, like, and also like. And also, like, the way that the vending machine is set up. Like... Yes! Those old, like, it's just... It's vintage. <laughs> yes, kids, that's what our that's what our stuff looked like back in 1997. He tried several times to select a soda and nothing. No soda to be had. I feel that. Larry comes up and asks Xander about Buffy. Are they together? Does he think she'd go out with him? Because he heard some guy call Buffy fast. <laughs> Xander really hopes he means like the wind. (laughs) Also, who is this mysterious guy? We've seen Buffy attempt to date one whole person that isn't Angel, and that was Owen. And I don't think Owen Uh, would be saying these things. No, no. But whatever. You know what? But then you also got to think about the fact that teenage boys make shit up. That's true. They do. So some guy was probably like saying he scored with Summers, even though like he's probably never talked to Buffy ever. Yeah. Or or she like looked at him and asked for a pencil one time. That's true. Boys are dumb. They are. Xander <laughs> tells Larry that Buffy's his friend and he's not going to listen to her being talked about that way. Larry asks what Xander's going to do about it. And he says what any man would do before grabbing his shirt. <laughs> Overwhelming aura of toxic masculinity aside, I ask again, how does one dislike Xander. I know. He's not about to let some Cro-Magnum, and I love that Xander also uses that phrase, yep. talk shit about his friends. Yep. Larry goes to pummel Xander, because, yeah, yeah, or Xander never stood a chance, when he's grabbed from behind by Buffy. She slams him into the soda machine, which dislodges a soda, and tells him to 
get gone. He leaves and she claims her prize, a diet Dr. Pepper. Not one of the options presented on the machine. No, no, it wasn't. When Xander asks if she realized just what she just did, she quips, saved a dollar? <laughs> well, no, she saved 60 cents. We just went over that. <laughs> but still, stopped Larry from pummeling him? Oh, forget about that. Yeah, he'll forget about it in 10, maybe 20 years when his reputation for being a sissy dies off. Black eyes fade, but cowardice has an extremely long shelf life. Aww. What did we say about an aura of toxic masculinity? Yep. He grabs his bag and storms off as Buffy says she has a feeling she seriously violated guy code. Willow has it exactly right when she says, boys, they're so fragile. They are. They also, are. Also, did Buffy give her soda to Willow or are they just sharing? Either way, it's super cute. Yeah, no, because that's, that's what we did in high school pre-COVID. <laughs> I love, I I have to say, I love Larry. I do love Larry. And I love that we're going to find out more about Larry. And Larry's going to keep popping up. Larry's just, he's a, he's a great character. He is. He is. And like, I, because, you know, when you watch further, you get past, you know, when you find things out about Larry, because like, I forgot that this was really the first time that we see Larry. We see Larry. So yeah, no, I like his growth. And I think he's the one at like graduation who's like, man, we lost a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, he is. I, I love that. I forget exactly what his line is, but he actually makes a point to mention the fact that they had so many weird things happen during their time. Because <laughs> it's like you never, very rarely does anybody in the universe, in like the school and everything, comment on all the stuff, except, you know, like Snyder, you know, you have you know, it's gang on PCP, you know, oh, we're not going to lose anybody this year. But yeah. to actually see somebody seriously talk about it is great. But speaking of boys, how is the date with Angel? Buffy says it was a misfire, that she showed up late looking trashed, and that when she got there, Cordelia was all but drooling in Angel's cappuccino, something he didn't seem all too disappointed by. Willow assures Buffy that Angel could never be into Cordelia. Yeah, because who would be into that whole showing up on time, looking fabulous, and embracing personal hygiene thing? Willow tells her she knows what she means. Cordelia isn't his type. They don't know that. How would they know that? They don't know what Angel's type is. Not Cordelia. Buffy's known him. Oh, here we go. Buffy's known him less than a year. Yep. So she arrived after Halloween last year. Yeah, okay. And he's not exactly a sharer. I don't know. If I had to wager a guess just looking at Darla, I'd say physically at least Buffy fits the bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're they're about the same height. They're about the same build. They're both blonde. Yeah, so she's at least physically his type. Yeah, yeah. She's also she's also pretty spunky. You know, they've you know, if Buffy went evil. I could see her being a bit like Darla. Mm-hmm. What happens next is probably the sequence that best describes Jackie and I in high school. Yes, I love this. Willow says that it's too bad that they can't take a peek at the Watcher's Diaries and read up on Angel, as she is sure they are full of fun facts to know and tell. Yeah, it's too bad, but those are private. Not to mention that Giles keeps them in his office, among his personal files. And most importantly, it would be wrong. Cute two Cute little heads <laughs> at the window of the library door. This whole scene is so cute. I know you could almost hear like them doing in their heads bum 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 bum. 
Boom. Or you can oh, or yeah. Like, even going down the hallway doing that. And I love that the window is decorated with a little black cat. Yes. I also love that the it would be wrong will come back later. Yes. Part of Faith's playing around in the mirror while she's in Buffy's body. Yep, yep. Buffy heads into the library while Willow temporarily remains in the hall, most likely acting as a lookout. She initially doesn't see anyone and so heads for Giles' office, only to have him be in the bookcage. Surprise! Yay! He says hello, and she is just (laughs) not good at acting like she wasn't up to something suspicious. No, 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 but... Giles isn't good to, isn't good with knowing when somebody is up to something suspicious. I'm going to choose to believe that these very bad acting skills are one of the things she and Spike will bond over later. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Giles says he was hoping to talk to Buffy that he thought with tomorrow night being so quiet, the two of them could work on some battle techniques. Buffy tells Giles that he's <laughs> scaring her, that he needs to have fun. And did he know that there were these things called movies? <laughs> Moving pictures that tell a story? <laughs> All the while, she's trying to motion for Willow to come in, for her to sneak into Giles's office while she keeps him distracted. Seeing that her current method isn't working, Buffy switches directions, first by asking Giles why Halloween is so dead, and then, when it seems he's caught on that she wants something, by blurting out, Miss Calendar thinks he's a babe. Something that makes Willow, now at the door of Giles's office, shake her head. Oh. She continues to tell him that Miss Calendar said he was a burning hunk of something, something. or other. <laughs> of what? Though he definitely does not want to have this conversation with Buffy, he also wants to know what Jenny supposedly said. <laughs> Buffy tells him that, look, it's just too gross imagining them with the smooches. It's a response that makes it all the more clear it's time to end this conversation. Which is fine, because Willis grabbed the book they needed. As Giles says he values Buffy's input, she cuts him off. She overstepped her bounds. She gets it. How dare she? She'll just be going now. (laughs) She she runs off, leaving a very confused watcher. Well, confused and sort of giddy. As he says, he he can live with babe. He can live with babe. Oh my god, he's so cute in this scene. And I still like, I, I love the, uh, when, when they're talking, he's like, I have many relaxing hobbies. And he starts going on in her line, do you stuff your own shirts or do you send them out? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Our next scene has Willow and Buffy looking over the diary. How did Willow know what volume to pull if we're to believe each watcher kept one? Maybe, maybe there's a date range on it. Maybe, maybe they are dated on the outside. Also, nothing on this page has to do with Angel. No, no. Well, maybe she just was like, oh, this is about Angel's time frame. So we're looking at this lady because they're trying to figure out what type of women Angel likes. I'm very intrigued what's on this page. Yes, yes. We see a drawing of a noblewoman with a name beside it, Sarah Goodfriend. But I thought there wasn't a name. We'll get there. To the right of her, there are some notes about the date and the moon. It was a waxing moon in the month of September. But to the left of her, that's where it gets interesting. So they mention St. Vincent's Eve, which is the Feast of St. Vincent is September 27th. So this follows along with the moon information. Another note tells us that this was written at around midnight. And that what was written was information regarding a curse, a spell cast by a coven and how all the signs from the previous fortnight are proving true. It looks like there's a note of someone being struck by some mystical ailment and possibly even an apparition, but no vampires and definitely no angel. Sitting atop the sinks in the bathroom, Willow asks who the woman is and Buffy says it doesn't say. Yes, it does. (laughs) It literally says right next to her name. We'll have to post 
We'll have to post a screenshot of that. We'll have to post a screenshot of this. Yeah. Her name is Sarah Goodfriend, but okay, whatever. Yes. Buffy also says that the entry is dated 1775. Willow mentions that Angel would have been 18 and still human. Wrong and wrong. Liam was born in 1727, and he became a vampire in 1753. So, yeah, no, Angel would have been dead for 22 years by that point. Spike, however, (laughs) would have been a human then. He would have been, like, two, if we're to believe that he was 27 when he died in 1800. But he would have been human. Yeah, I feel like they're just pulling shit out of their asses at this point. Yeah. Buffy wonders if that's the kind of girl Angel liked. Angel liked a lot of girls. (laughs) Liam liked a lot of girls. Liam liked a lot of girls. Yeah. It's a, you know what? If he didn't become a vampire, he probably would have died of some sort of venereal disease. Mm-hmm. She's so put together, so quaffed. Willow points out that she's a noblewoman, which means being pretty was kind of her job. If that's the case, then this girl was a workaholic. Willow says she's not that pretty. In fact, <laughs> she's kind of weird. Look at that waist. It's so tiny. <laughs> Willow, Willow. Willow, you're helping wrong. Yeah, that's not how you help. Buffy remarks how it must have been nice to put on a gown, get all fancy, go to a ball feel like a princess, to have horses and servants and yet more gowns. Willow's not sure. She thinks she prefers having the right to vote. Yeah. Or she will once she can vote. Yeah, I like having the right to vote. I like clean water. I like not having to die at the right right old age of childbirth. You know, those things. You just want too many things, Holly. I know, I know. I really, I do. I'm I'm a very picky person. I'm very high maintenance. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not high maintenance at all. Not at all. No. Cordelia comes in, spotting the two of them, and mentions how Buffy left Angel all by his lonesome at the Braun. Thankfully, she was there to comfort him. She asks what his deal is, seeing as she never really sees him around. Not during the day, at least. Oh, God. Does he still live at home? Does he have to wait for his dad to come home from work before he can use the car? Okay. This statement pretty much confirms that Angel is a grown-ass man. Yeah. Because if he was supposed to be anything close to resembling a teenager, Cordelia would have asked about if he goes to a different school or what college he's at. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the horrific tone in her voice says that he is of an age where the idea of him still being at home is distasteful or downright embarrassing, which means he is a grown-ass man dating a teenager. He should be at least graduated from college. Buffy says she is sure that Angel's parents died like a hundred years ago. (laughs) Cordelia says good, right before realizing what Buffy said. Wait, what? Angel's a vampire. They thought she knew. (laughs) Right. A vampire, but a cuddly one, like a Care Bear with fangs. Care Bears! (laughs) I love that. Care Bears with fangs. The Care Bears, for any youths who may not know, (laughs) are brightly colored bears originally designed in 1981 for use on Americans' greetings greeting cards. By 1983, they had been turned into plush toys, and by 1985, they were a cartoon. The Care Bears television series ran from 1985 to 1988, and there were three movies that went alongside it. The Care Bears movie, Care Bears 2, A New Generation, and my personal favorite, Care Bears in Wonderland. Each bear is a different color and has a special belly badge that matches their personality. Birthday bear, cheer bear, grumpy bear, etc. Was the first one the one where they went to the summer camp that was so horrifying? I believe so, because... Yeah, the second... Because the second one... 
had, sec- yeah. The second one is the one where we first meet the cousins. Yes, had the cousins. But yeah, no, the first, the yeah, where they go to the camp and like... There's an evil taking over this summer camp that we, kids, let, let's, we, we need to talk to the kids for a moment here. 80s cartoons were a special thing. We, 80s cartoons, 80s movies explain a lot about why we are the way we are. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I rewatched I rewatched that Care Bears movie not too long ago, and I was just like, what the fuck? Why did my mom let me watch this? <laughs> this is horrifying. Like, this is this is mm-hmm. terrifying. I mean, I know there's these cute and cuddly Care Bears that we all had plushes of, mm-hmm. but what is happening here? And there's, there's, Mary and I have have discussed making another podcast called Movies That Traumatized Us. Oh, man. There are so many. There are so many. There are so many. Maybe when we get through this podcast, we'll consider it. <laughs> That's right. When we run out of material for this one, we'll uh, we'll think about talking about all the stuff in our childhood that completely just turned us into the twisted people we oh, are today. Oh, my God. If you know us personally, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cordelia says she just thinks Buffy is trying to scare her away. And she thinks Buffy doesn't want the competition. See, Buffy might be hot stuff when it comes to demonology. When it comes to dating, Cordelia is the slayer. As she leaves, Buffy does look a bit worried. Like she's doubting herself in her whole relationship with Angel. What relationship? What relationship? Look, I was being generous here. I know, I know. We head over to the costume shop. Yay! Yay. Yay. We all know what that means and who shall be joining us. Ooh. Kids and parents mill about while Buffy plays with a light-up pumpkin that she clearly did not know lit up until she starts doing so. She replaces it to the counter just as Willow comes bounding up with a ghost costume she found. A time-honored classic. Buffy's not about it, as Willow is, saying she's never going to get noticed if she doesn't stop hiding. She's missing the whole point of Halloween. Free candy? No, the fact that it's come as you aren't night. A chance for girls like them to get all wild. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Willow doesn't do wild. Wild on her equals spaz. This line actually had to be cut out of broadcasts in the UK. Yes. Over there, spaz is a derogatory term for one who is differently abled. And that's actually a term that is trying to be moved away from in the United States, too. Like trying because of the connotations of it. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's part of yeah, it's part of the uh, yeah. No, because I like a few friends of mine work in mental health services with mm-hmm. differently abled people, and that is one word that is on the list of you know it's it's not as strong as the R word, but because of uh, because of the way that it was used in certain times in certain places, they are trying to phase it out. I can see that. I honestly, yeah. I honestly personally had never even knew about the connotation until I read the trivia for this episode. So I didn't even know it had ever been used in the United States in that yeah. way. Yeah. But we learn something every day. We do. And we learn and, you know, you adapt. Mm-hmm. When you know better, you do better. Exactly. Buffy says Willow shouldn't underestimate herself. And hello, pot. Leave Kettle the hell alone. Seriously, you've been having a crisis this whole episode. Exactly. But you so know why what? not take your own advice? It is easier 
to give advice than it is to take your own advice. Oh, absolutely. 10,000%. (laughs) Anyway, Willow sees an out of this conversation by spotting Xander, who has bought only a plastic gun. He has army fatigues at home. So this is interesting and something I never thought about before I was doing the notes for this episode. Mm -hmm. Willow and Buffy buy full costumes from Ethan. Yes. Xander only buys one piece, a small accessory, and yet... All three of them are affected the same. So that's either some pretty strong ass magic. Yeah. Which, duh, Ethan. Ethan. Or a gaping plot hole. I'm gonna choose to go with the first. That's what I that's what I think, because I think that everything in that shop is enchanted is enchanted so if so let's say let's say that someone just bought cat ears that would be part of the spell they would turn into you know so it's just every damn thing in ethan's shop that makes sense and it and it's it's also reflected in he bought a gun he's wearing an army costume that's what he's gonna become yeah it's magic mary <laughs> it's the hell mouth it's the hell it's the hell mouth <laughs> Buffy tries to apologize to Xander about that morning, and at first he doesn't really want to talk about it until Buffy promises to let him get pummeled in the future, her chin resting on his shoulder in this ultra-cute way. it's so cute. He thanks her and is about to start the touching reconciliation when something in the back of the shop catches her eye. It's a princess dress. Well, a colonial era dress, but we're going to call it a princess dress. Yes. Coincidentally, a lot like the one from the diary. Oh. Buffy's completely enchanted with it, while Xander says, nah, too bulky. (laughs) He prefers his women in spandex. You'll remember that last episode, Cordelia said spandex was one of her looks. Yep. Yep. The curtains hanging in the nearby doorway part, and out from the back comes Ethan Reed! Yay! If you can't tell, we love Ethan Rain. I've been waiting to get to Ethan Rain. <laughs> Ethan is played by Robin Sachs, an English actor who has done everything from stage to television to film, and his television credits include everything from Buffy to Murder She Wrote to Babylon 5 uh, yep. to SpongeBob and Torchwood. Sadly, Robin passed away in 2013 due to a heart attack. Yep. Yeah, I I cried when I saw that he passed away. Yeah, but we're going to be happy now because we're going to talk about him. Yes. And when Ethan is introduced in the script, it says he has a devilish glint in his eyes and speaks with just a hint of a British accent. Oh, it's perfect. Telling Buffy to allow him, he takes the dress off the mannequin for her, holding it in front of her. He lets Buffy take in the image in the mirror beside them, commenting that it looks like they found the hidden princess <sighs> and that it seems to be a match. Oh, no, no, no. While it's magnificent, Buffy is positive she could never afford it. Nonsense. Ethan is feeling quite generous and in a mood to make her an offer she can't refuse. So I have to wonder, does Ethan know who she is here? Oh, I think so. So because there were two reads to this. One is he knows who she is because obviously he knows what Giles is doing in Sunnydale. But he also knows that because when Giles stopped hanging out with him, Giles went back to the Watchers Council. Or is he just making everyone deals because the more costumes he gets on people, the more chaos he causes. See, yeah, like you're right. It could be there, there are two ways to read this, but I like to think about the fact that he was stalking his old buddy Rupert. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, 
Because the thing is, why Sunnydale? Like, yes, he, he's yeah. a chaos magician, but I like to think about the fact that he came to Sunnydale on Halloween, knowing that Halloween would be a slow night for a slayer and decided to cause chaos. So I've thought about this a lot because he comes to Sunnydale and at the we're going to talk about the end of the episode. And then two episodes later, a whole bunch of shit goes down. So I was trying to figure out if Ethan was already on the run from Igon at this point. And that's why he came to Sunnydale, because he knew he was going to need Giles at some point yeah, in the future. That makes sense. Yeah, because dark. Yeah, the Dark Age is going to be... It's coming up fast. It's coming up. Yeah, yeah. So I... Well, we'll see when we get to the Dark Age, like how quickly it says the events with Igon are going yeah. on. But I've always wondered if Ethan was already on the run here. Right, right. And he came like he came to Sunnydale because he knew that's where Giles was. Yeah. Clutching the dress close to her chest, Buffy smiles. This dress, rightfully so, was the costume designer's favorite piece from the entire series. I love this dress. I mean, it's simply gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like it I love the fact that it does walk the line between being period appropriate and a cheesy Halloween costume. Yes. Like it's absolutely. not it's not so fancy that you could only see somebody wearing it on stage but like it has a perfect middle ground between being a halloween costume and you know something that somebody would actually wear Mm -hmm. like the cut and the colors of it how bright bright pink of it and sarah looks fantastic in that color she does and you know what even and then with the dark wig too like Mm -hmm. it's gonna be it works out so well in the factory spike watches the tape that he made of buffy earlier rewinding certain bits over and over in order to learn her moves he points to the use of the sign saying that's resourcefulness And it's just so clear he's impressed by her. You can slowly see the infatuation and attraction Mm -hmm. forming. Drew comes out, Miss Edith in tow, and she asks Spike if he loves her insides as much as her outsides. (laughs) The parts he can't see. Eyeballs to entrails is his answer. I've always loved that reply. I I do. I, I love how much Spike loves Drew. Everything about them is hashtag romance goals. I, I will I will die on that hill. I, I know we we screamed about it Ugh, before. We're, we're going to scream about it a ton because they're just, every time they're together, they're just perfect. They are. They are. Like, Except I, like, later on when Drew is horrible and leaves him. Well, yes. But anytime we see them together in this season, they're just, they're perfect. But then when you also see his reaction after she does leave him. Yeah, like he clearly loved her with every fiber of his being. Yes. Yep. Yeah, you'll hear us scream about this a lot more. Don't worry. Right now, we're going to go on. Yes. He asks Drew to come watch with him, saying they have to know the Slayer to kill her, and that once she's gone, Drew will have her run with Sunny Hell. Drew tells him that everything's switching insides to out. She says it makes her weak. Spike asks if she's had a vision. This thing that makes the Slayer weak. When is it? Tomorrow night? Tomorrow. But that's Halloween. <laughs> Nothing ever happens on Halloween. <laughs> She says someone's come to change it. Yeah. Someone new. Yeah, he has. Which takes us back to Ethan. Oh, now, yeah. Now dressed in his chaos wizard oh, robes. Oh, God, I love him so much. Candles clumped together and encircling a two-headed statue. He performs some sort of small ritual, one that involves wearing his own blood as eyeshadow, apparently, <laughs> because he is... He, just hardcore in his punk aesthetic. E- Ethan, Ethan is 
the most extra. Ethan is the most extra. And I just love everything that he chooses to be. He pledges himself to chaos, calling himself his obedient, degenerate son. (laughs) Fun fact. (laughs) Janice, the god of depicted here, is not the god of chaos. No, he's not. No. That would be Eris. Yes. Janice is the god of transitions, doorways, passages, beginnings, and duality, which Giles will touch a bit on a bit later. Yeah. Among other things, chances are he was chosen due to the whole duality thing, which semi-fits the theme of the night's episode, everyone having themselves and their costume persona. Yeah. Yeah, no, Janice watches the watches the future and the past. He watches doorways. That's his whole... <laughs> It's all shtick, but hey, you know, it works for what they're doing. And yeah, it works. It's it's good enough. At Buffy's, Buffy and Willow are getting ready. Willow apparently getting ready in the bathroom across from Buffy's room. As Buffy puts the finishing touches on her costume, Willow asks when she's meeting Angel. There, after trick-or-treating, her mom's going to be out. So either Halloween is a big night for art smuggling, or... <laughs> Or Joyce is going to a dance party at the town hall with all the other parents, completely <laughs> getting them out of the way for the night's shenanigans. Yeah, or, or, ooh, ooh, ooh. Maybe she's having a big Halloween party at the art gallery. Oh, maybe she is. Maybe she is. Yeah, maybe she's actually working for once. It would be a surprise. Yeah, yeah. She asks if Angel knows about her costume, and she says, nope, it'll be a total surprise. She can't wait to show him how she can quaff with the best of them. Turning to face the doorway across the hall, she tells Willow to come out, that she can't hide in there forever. Willow makes her promise not to laugh before emerging. In an outfit identified as hot rocker chick (laughs) in the script, she immediately tries to cover up, but Buffy stops her. She's a dish, really. Yeah, she is. She is. Allison is just killing it in this outfit. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great outfit for her. She says she doesn't know. It's just not her. Yeah, that's the point. Halloween is the night when not her is her. The doorbell rings and Buffy says that must be Xander. That she can't wait for all the boys to go nonverbal when they see Willow. (laughs) Leaving a rather uneasy looking Willow in her room, Buffy heads downstairs to get the door. She opens the door to let Xander in, but makes sure to stay behind it so that he is unable to see her until he is fully entered. With a small salute, he says that Sergeant Harris is reporting for... He never (laughs) finishes that sentence. No, no. He's too entrenched by Buffy. Buffy, Lady of Buffdom, Duchess of Buffonia. <laughs> it's enough to make him renounce spandex. Oh, that that line that that line is so ninety again. Like, so it is. It really is. It, it, it makes reminds me think of um, Wayne's the World movie. I was gonna say Wayne's oh. World. <laughs> it makes me think of Polly Shore in the Goofy yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's but yeah, like that. Yeah, Lady of Buffonia. Like oh. <laughs> Buffy thanks him with a curtsy and a bit of a southern accent. Uh, she needs a little work. Before telling him to wait until he gets a load of Casper. As Willow has thrown the ghost sheet on over her other outfit before coming down the stairs. I like the fact that she didn't change the whole thing. She just threw the sheet on. Yes. A bit confused, Xander tells her that it's a fine boo she's got there. (laughs) 
At Sunnydale High, Trick or Treat is a go. Kudos to whoever decorated the school. Yes, yes. They they did a great job on that. I'm going to guess it was the student council wanting to take back the power after back to school night was given to some delinquents. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, the delinquents have to take care of the trick or treaters. We get to take care of the decorating again. Buffy waits in the hall as Snyder brings a group of kids to her. He tells her that there's no need to talk to them. Just bring them back in one piece and he won't expel her. <laughs> He turns to leave and she leans down to say hi, only to have him turn back around. Mm-mm. What did he say? <laughs> no talking. <laughs> Elsewhere in the school, Larry, dressed as a pirate, comes across Xander. He asks where Xander's bodyguard is, curling her hair, before making as if going to attack him and laughing. As he walks away, Xander aims the toy rifle at him. <laughs> and then there's Oz! Yay! Oz! Oz! Crouched down in front of his locker and putting his guitar away, Cordelia comes charging through the doors and demands his attention, wanting to know if the band is playing that night. After Oz identifies her as being like a really big cat. (laughs) Her costume, a cheetah print jumpsuit and cat ears with whiskers drawn on. He tells her that, yeah, at the shelter club. Now, we have no way of knowing if this club is actually within the Sunnydale limits, but we now know of three different nightlife options. We have the Small Child Nightclub, a.k.a. the Bronze, mm-hmm. the Fish Tank, which is often raided by the police. Yes. And now we have the Shelter Club, okay. which if the Dingoes play there, I'm going to say has a very similar energy to the Bronze. Yes. Well, the fish, the fish bowl is obviously a biker bar and they obviously don't care about underage children no but there's one thing going back to the small child nightclub yes um one of the episodes with anya when, when when she's trying to get her powers back she is at the bronze ordering a beer Oh, a small child nightclub. And, but they keep saying, you don't have your ID. You don't have your ID. Obviously, she doesn't have ID because she's a demon. So they obviously serve alcohol there. Yeah. I mean, they're good about checking ID. So they are still serving drinks. So like, who's to say that a 21-year-old isn't going to give the drink to an 18-year-old. Like, there's so much going on at the bronze that's just so shady. And again, it's a plot point. But it is. when she was ordering the beer, I was like, so they do serve alcohol. <laughs> <sighs> she then asks if Mr. I'm the lead singer, I'm so great, I don't have to show up for my date or even call is going to be there. He is, though these days he mostly just goes by Devin. <laughs> That's fine. Just tell him that she doesn't care. And that she didn't even ask about him. And that she she wasn't even there. <laughs> right. So what is he telling him? <laughs> Nothing. Duh. She turns around to leave and Oz wonders why he can't just meet a nice girl like that. Right before <laughs> turning around and bumping into Willow. <laughs> of course, since she has the goat sheet on, he doesn't know it's Willow. But still, it counts. It does. It does. Especially as they each mumble sorry to each oh, other. they're so cute. We return to Xander and his group of trick-or-treaters. Standing before them, he schools them on how to sleaze extra candy. (laughs) Tears? Tears are key. Tears will usually get you the double bagger. You can also try the old you-missed-me routine, but that's risky. Only go there for chocolate. With the kids now understanding how to score the most candy possible, they head out. I want to go trick-or-treating with Xander. I'm going trick-or-treating with Xander. Although, I I will say my neighborhood is really good. Yeah, your neighborhood is fantastic. Yeah, no, we we have a neighborhood neighborhood of full candy bars, bags of 
popcorn and chips and Doritos. And there is one house, though, that gives out pencils and toothbrushes because she's a teacher. <sighs> she must be stopped. Oh, and we have one person that we have one person that will hand out Jehovah's Witness pamphlets with the candy and somebody who put their Mary Kay business card in with the candy. <laughs> oh, wow. There's just so much to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting neighborhood. <laughs> we head out to the mean streets of Sunnydale where it's suddenly dark. Buffy's group, now with an extra child, comes back to where she's waiting and Buffy asks what they got. They show her toothbrushes as she frowns. Yep. Mrs. Davis must be stopped. Taking the little one, who's also the new one, hand, Buffy says that they have time to hit one more house before she takes them back. Ethan, meanwhile, is still doing his thing, this time speaking in Latin as he continues to bring forth the will of Jonas. So the script does have a translation of the of the Latin. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Jonas, hear my plea. Take this night as your own. Come forth and show us your truth. The mask is made flesh. The heart is curdled by your holy presence. Janice, this night is yours. Oh, Willow has her trick-or-treaters and is walking with them up the door of some nice old lady's house. Oh, nice old lady. Of course, this just about coincides with the time Ethan's ritual is complete. His candles flicker and a strange wind blows throughout Sunnydale, to the point where Buffy can almost feel something in the air as we see her tilt her head ever so slightly while walking. The woman handing out candy to Willow's trick-or-treaters realizes she's out, and Ethan grins, saying, showtime. Which I like to think is a callback to Beetlejuice. Yes. And the fact that it's showtime is the most famous catchphrase of the ghost with the most. Yeah. Also normally said right before he unleashes some sort of chaos. And also Ethan's just dramatic, so. Ethan's very dramatic. (sighs) The woman apologizes to the children right as the two in front transform into actual monsters. (laughs) They seem to be the only two of the group affected, beside Willow, the rest running away screaming, and without the kid dressed like a doctor turning into a 40-year-old proctologist. (laughs) For a moment, they go after said little old lady before deciding to just fight each other, (laughs) giving the poor woman a chance to escape back into her house. Willow tries to stop them, but, well, given that she's dressed like a ghost, she's too busy dying. We're going to come back and talk about that and the other repercussions of this episode later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the street, Xander watches the chaos unfold right before the spell takes him too, and his plastic gun turns into a real semi-automatic, as he now believes himself to be an actual army sergeant. Willow steps out of her body and momentarily panics. She's a ghost. An actual ghost. (laughs) But her panic is short-lived as she hears the sounds of the rifle going off. Xander. She runs off in his direction and he points his weapon at her. She says that it's her. It's Willow. But he doesn't know Willow and he advises she gets somewhere where it's safe. He goes to walk past her and she goes to stop him, which in turn leads to him going through her. Turning, he once again takes aim. She tells him that she's on her side. She swears, but that something strange is going on. She was dressed as a ghost for Halloween, and now she is a ghost. Just as he was dressed as a soldier, and now, well, he's a soldier. One of the kids who had been dressed like a vampire comes down the street, and Xander moves the gun to be aimed at her. No! No! No. That's a little kid in there! No! (laughs) But... No, no, guns. That's an order. No. (laughs) Willow is taking charge and I am here for Uh, it. She is. Because I love the fact that she's just a ghost version of herself. So she knows who she is. She says they just need to find... Buffy, who is wandering about behind Xander, her hair now down and looking way less coiffed than earlier. She looks hella lost and Willow rushes up to her just as the kid and another person dressed as a demon approach them. Willow asks Buffy what they do, but she, she just faints. (laughs) 
As the pair approaches, Xander fires over their heads to scare them off. Willow kneels beside Buffy, trying to figure out if she's okay or if she's hurt. Buffy? She looks confused by her own name. Turning to Xander, Willow tells him that whoever she is right now, she isn't Buffy. <laughs> His response is to ask, who's Buffy? Oh, great. This is fun. Oh, poor Willow. Willow is so done. And yeah. she's just going to get more done. <laughs> yeah, they like, they are only a few minutes into whatever the hell is going on. And Willow is already done. She asks Buffy what year it is. Xander helps her to her feet. 1775, she believes. She doesn't understand. Willow's dress, everything. It's so strange. How did she come to be here? Willow tries to figure out how they're going to get through this without the Slayer. While another person dressed like a demon approaches... Xander hits them with the blunt end of a gun and says he suggests they get somewhere before a demon. Buffy points down the road. A demon. <laughs> we see what she's pointing to. It's not a demon. No, no. But in fact, a car. Yeah. An SUV. When Willow tells her that, she asks, what does it want? <laughs> Xander asks if she's insane, and Willow explains she's never seen a car. She's from the past. Just like Willow's a ghost? Yeah. They understand he's taken a lot on faith, right? <laughs> he returns to the idea that they should get somewhere safe, and Willow thinks about whose house is closest before realizing it's Buffy. She says they can go to a friend's. At Buffy's, Xander leads everyone through the back door, proclaiming it clear. Willow calls out for Joyce a few times, relieved to find she's already left. Considering she didn't come to see them in her co- in their costumes, I kind of figured she had already left. Yeah. But maybe she was getting ready for whatever her art gallery party is. You know, whatever. Wait, it's hard to explain whatever, Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy asks where they are, and Willow says her place before a noise comes at the front door. Along with Xander, Willow goes to check it out. Buffy, however, remains back by the kitchen. Willow tells Xander not to open the door. He says it could be a civilian, but Willow reminds him that it could also be a mini demon. <laughs> While they argue about that, Buffy notices a picture of herself on a small credenza type thing. She doesn't understand that could be her. Coming back towards her, Willow says it is her. Doesn't she remember anything? No, no, it's not her. It can't be. It must be some other girl. She would never dress like that in such low attire. (laughs) She doesn't like this and she doesn't like Willow and she just wants to go home. As she begins to cry, Willow turns around muttering something about why couldn't she have dressed like Xena? Zena! Okay, I know we talked about Zena before, but I'm going to run through it real quick. Yes, yes. Zena, Warrior Princess, another hit WB show, a historical fantasy of sorts set in ancient Greece and dealing with the ancient gods. The main plot followed Zena, played by Lucy Lawless, and her traveling companion, a bard named Gabrielle, played by Renee O'Connor, as they traveled about helping people. Zena attempting to atone for the sins of her past. It originally ran from 1995 to 2001, and in 2015, there were talks of a reboot. However, by 2017, those plans had been scrapped. Which is fine, because like with Buffy, no reboot was ever going to do it justice. No, no. You you just... Buffy could have some sort of continuation or some sort of... Something that takes place in the universe. Xena was too good. And Xena was too much a product of its time. It really was. It really was. It was the whole... I think we've talked about before. It was the whole, like, Ted Ted and Sam Raimi thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the shows that went together. Yeah. And, And everything, like... The relationship between Xena and Gabrielle and like just the whole thing, it's the whole series itself. It just, I I don't see that it can be redone and still feel the same way. 
Like it just, it, mm-hmm. it, it's like that. It's, you know, Hercules was so cheesy and all those shows of the time. Oh, yeah. Like I don't want a reboot of any of that. I just want to have it live in my memory. An arm breaks through part of the glass and the, on the front door and Willow tells Xander, not a civilian. <laughs> With an affirmative, he sticks his gun through the broken glass and begins firing. Hey, what did she say about the gun? He tells her that big noise makes the scary monster go away. Before she can say anything else, they hear someone, aka Cordelia, scream. Xander heads outside to get her and Buffy worries that Xander has deserted them. He won't desert them, right? Whatever. Willow, like we said, so done. She's done. She's She's just done. done. Nope. Outside, Xander grabs Cordelia, who is being chased by a Sasquatch-looking thing, and brings her inside. He shuts the door again, looking out to make sure they weren't followed, as Cordelia asks Willow what is happening. Giving her the rundown, Willow tells her that her name is Cordelia, she's not a cat, she's in high school, and they're her (laughs) friends. Sort of. Uh Uh-huh. And she went mental when? Wait, she knows them? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good, because a lot has been happening. No kidding. She was just chased by Jojo the dog-faced boy. (laughs) Look at her costume. Does Willow think Party Town is going to give her her deposit back? Because she doesn't think so. (laughs) Jojo the dog-faced boy is a reference to Fedor Andrianovich Yedichov? I'm not really sure how to pronounce uh, the last name. It's just about as good as me trying to pronounce all the, uh, the different languages. A famous Russian sideshow performer, he toured Europe along with his father before being brought to America in 1884 by P.T. Barnum. Yeah. Oh, P.T. Barnum. As much as we love that movie, P.T. Barnum was not a great person. No. No. Willow tells the three of them to stay there, and if anyone tries to come in, fight them off. She is going to get help. At the mention of fighting, Buffy says that's not their place. Women weren't meant to fight. Cordelia wants to know what that rift is. <laughs> Oh, and Willow says it's a sort of amnesia, that Buffy and Xander don't know who they are. We should probably mention that there is a really cute Xander Cordy moment right after Cordelia complains about her costume. Xander takes his jacket off and drapes it around her shoulders. And Cordelia, she's a bit taken by that action. That's so cute. I think that might be where she starts to... Well, it's definitely a continuation of Xander having saved her life. Yes, yes. Because we have Xander saving her, and now yes. Xander's being chivalrous. yes. I, I think she, like many of us, finds Soldier Xander to be kind of attractive. He is. Not as attractive as Hyena Xander or Vampire Xander, <laughs> but he's up there. Yeah, no, no, he's definitely, he's definitely up there because he, I, I will say the thing that I like about this episode with Xander is Nicholas really did a great job of flipping a switch. Oh, he did. You know, he just, you know, the, the old, you know, because Xan, I keep saying, you know, and I'm so sorry. That's okay. I say a lot of phrases. <laughs> I know I do. He went from being Xander, who is the goofball. I mean, you see him in the beginning of the episode getting his ass almost beat by Larry. But like that, now he has that confidence. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he did a really good job in this episode. Cordelia asks who died and made Willow the boss as Willow, unseen by Cordelia, just walks through the wall of the (laughs) summer's house to get outside. Buffy sees, however, and her eyes go wide. Back on the main streets of Sunnydale, there is chaos everywhere. Oh, everything is awful. Which Spike declares to be just neat. (laughs) 
He's having so much fun. He is he is having he is having the time of his life. Inside, Xander gathers furniture to create a barricade while ordering Cordelia to check upstairs and make sure all the windows are locked and closed, that there are no other entry points. Buffy follows Xander around the room. Surely there's some place they can go, a safe haven of some sorts? No can do. The lady said stay put, and stay put is what they're gonna do. He would take orders from a woman? <gasps> Is he weak? <gasps> feeble in some way? He goes to say something else when he notices the picture of him, Buffy, and Willow on the floor. Looks like she was right. They do have amnesia of some sort. They do not? Whatever that is, Buffy is sure she doesn't have it. <laughs> she bathes regularly. Oh, How then does she explain the picture? She doesn't because she wasn't meant to explain things. She was meant to look pretty. <laughs> and then someone nice will marry her. Maybe a baron. <laughs> Xander tells her that eventually she's going to have to fight. Fight? Those low creatures? She'd rather die. Okay, fine. Then she'll die. <laughs> I like how even like Xander in character, in this character, he's now he's done. Yeah, ev- no, everyone's done. Everyone's done. Angel arrives then, letting himself through the back door and just grateful that they're all okay. It's a madhouse out there. As he comes further into the living room, both Xander and Buffy look at him with a, who are you? <laughs> angel <laughs> the library giles is leaning atop the card catalog sorting things he hears the sirens and the various cries from people outside and stops listening for a moment clearly trying to decide if what he hears warrants <laughs> him going outside it's like do i need to deal with this or can i just stay here willow comes through the wall then and the cards he's holding in his hands go everywhere <laughs> poor giles she, she greets giles with a hi hi <laughs> Back at Buffy's, Angel's trying to figure out what he just walked into. <laughs> see, this is see, this is why, Angel, you can't just show up at random places. You have to actually be around so that you can see what's going on. This is what exactly. you get from being mysterious. Xander asks if he lives there, to which he responds, no, and that Xander knows that. Storming towards Buffy, he begins to say something before getting distracted by her hair. Enter Cordelia with the helpful explanation of, they don't know who they are. Everyone's turned into a monster. It's a big thing. How are you? I love that. <laughs> at least she, at least she, like, kind of explained what she was did. going on. That was, And that was a very good, succinct explanation. It really was. Yes. Point for Cordelia. Before Angel can answer, the lights go out and Buffy clings to Cordelia, causing a, do you mind? (laughs) Xander tells Angel to take the princess and secure the perimeter. Catwoman, she's with him. (laughs) Now, Xander could just be mentioning the fact that Cordelia is a woman dressed like a a cat. cat. But he could also be referencing Catwoman, a.k.a. Selina Kyle, originally known as The Cat. She debuted in 1940's Batman number one. Along with being one of his most enduring enemies, Selina is also his best known love interest. I will admit, I am a huge Bat-Cat shipper and believe that the mistletoe scene in Batman Returns is one of the best scenes in cinema history, hands down. Yes, yes. But speaking of Batman Returns, Catwoman has been betrayed by several extremely talented women over the years, from Eartha Kitt and Julie Newmar to Michelle Pfeiffer and Anne Hathaway. Zoe Kravitz will be taking on the role in the upcoming film. I, God, I love Eartha Kitt and Julie oh, Newmar in the I old love school. the old Batman TV show. There's just some charm to it. It is so much fun. We were watching the movie one night and just like, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. No. Like the whole thing, the whole thing where he just keeps turning the corner and there's a marching band, there's a bunch of nuns, there's some geese. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's so funny. Buffy says she doesn't want to go with Angel. She wants to go with the man with the musket. <laughs> As Angel pulls her towards the kitchen, she asks if he has a musket. They head into the kitchen and Angel notices the back door sitting open. He didn't leave that open. He goes to close it as Buffy backs into the shadows. Beside Buffy, we see the pantry door open, a vampire beginning to emerge. Now, a lot of people point out this vampire was not invited in. Yes. But judging by the Lestat-esque fashion choice, that is definitely someone in costume. So I'm going to guess the rules don't apply to them. Yeah, I did see something when I was looking up um, for, for my for my titles that, yeah, I think because he is not actually a vampire, it's not part of the whole vampires have to be invited in. It's, the, it's a spell that made them a vampire. Exactly. Angel tackles said vampire and tells Buffy to bring him a steak. She's confused, not sure what he's asking for, and just grabs the closest weapon looking type thing to her. <laughs> a knife. Okay. Angel turns, telling her to hurry, but he's vamped out, and so Buffy screams before opening the back door and fleeing in terror. Kim can't blame her for being scared when you don't know. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Back at the library, Willow and Giles are in full research mode. Only Willow doesn't even know what she's supposed to be looking for. Plus, being a ghosty, she can't turn the page. Yeah. It's fine. They'll just take a moment and review what they know. Everyone has taken on the identity of whatever their costume was. Yes. Yeah. Xander's a soldier. Buffy's an 18th century girl. And she she's a ghost. The ghost of what? <laughs> Willow has a moment of being less than confident before telling him that she he should see what Cordelia is wearing. A unitard with cat things. Oh god, she became an actual feline? No. No. She's just Cordelia. But dressed like a cat. Huh. Hmm. Cordelia said she got her costume at Party Town. And everyone else, everyone who changed, where did they get theirs? <laughs> Willow says it's a new place, Ethan's. And oh, oh, the look on Giles's face. Oh, as soon as she says his name. Oh. Buffy runs through some back alley, terrified and lost, while Angel, Cordelia, and Xander scour the neighborhood for her. Cordelia says she'll be fine. No, no, she won't. Buffy, as herself, would be fine. Mm-hmm. Whoever she is now, she's helpless. Unfortunately for them, Spike was lurking behind a tree with two tiny minions and heard that. He tells them that out there somewhere is the finest, tenderest meat they've ever tasted. <laughs> All they have to do is find it first. Spike, do not be Tony Stark. We do not recruit small children. No, no, we are not recruiting small children. Continuing through the alley, Buffy stumbles into Larry, now a full-blown grimy pirate. (laughs) He calls her pretty pretty, and she takes off running again, now with him following. Poor Buffy. Giles and Willow arrive at Ethan's. Yay! (laughs) Winding through the darkened shop, it appears no one is there. (sighs) Then Willow catches sight of the statue in the back room, its eyes now glowing green. Coming up beside her, Giles identifies him as Janice. And I think it's actually Janus. Yeah. Identifies him as Janus, an ancient god. Willow asks what it means, and he says the division of self. Male and female, light and dark, crunchy and creamy. Oh, Oh, no, wait. That's That's peanut peanut butter. butter. (laughs) Ethan emerges from the shadows being delightfully dramatic. Oh, he's so, like, and I know we talk about, we've talked about, like, Anthony's stage dramatics. He's got this... 
um, Robin has the same thing going for him. These oh, yeah. two, these two British Shakespearean actors just chewing up the scenery. He and Giles share a look as Giles tells Willow to leave. Mm, but mm. now, oh, oh. she leaves, and Giles says. Hello, Ethan. To which Ethan replies, Hello, Hello Ripper. Ripper. Oh, I don't, oh. I just, oh, every time he says Ripper, oh. I squeal. Oh, I, I know. Just, I, I mean, you see me getting excited just be as you were getting to that part. I really wish, for some of these episodes, I really wish y'all could see us. <laughs> I, I'm like sitting here like smiling like an idiot, like, Ethan! Like, I like getting excited when I know what's coming up, where she's going with all this. This is basically how how we act when we talk about certain things uh-huh. in person. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the alleyway. Or maybe it's a different alleyway. I don't know. Sunnydale has no shortage of dark alleyways. We know that this town has a very weird geography. Things move around. Who knows how many? Everything is an alleyway. Larry has finally caught up with Buffy. He goes to press her against a wall, leaning in as if to try and kiss her, when Xander arrives and tackles him. Oh, go Xander. The two of them begin fighting, Xander clearly having the upper hand, and Cordelia goes to check on Buffy. Seeing Angel, she pulls away and shrinks down, hiding partway behind a car. Cordelia asks what her issue is, and she says Angel is a vampire. Turning to Angel, Cordelia tells him that, look, she thinks it's a thing. <laughs> Clearly, Cordelia still does not she believe does. Buffy here. <laughs> Even though this Buffy... <laughs> She tells Buffy that Angel is a good vampire, that he'd never hurt her, that he's their friend. Wanting to believe Cordelia, she slowly stands. Really? Angel, letting Cordelia deal with that, goes to help Xander. (laughs) Only Xander doesn't need his help, having thrown Larry into a pile of garbage. It's strange, he says. Beating up that pirate gave him a weird sense of closure. (laughs) Good for you, Xander. (laughs) Sadly, he only gets a second to enjoy it as Willow arrives saying they've got to get inside because here comes Spike leading a whole parade of monsters. Xander says they need a triage, which is not the right term at all. No, no. Well, Angel tells them to find any open warehouse, then picking up Buffy as it's going to be faster for everyone. He <laughs> follows Xander, Willow and Cordelia at the shop. Okay, <laughs> wait a minute. We need to... <sighs> Okay, we need to compose ourselves, Mary. This is not going to get done if we don't. <laughs> maintain. Is it? Maintain. 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 We got to maintain. At the shop, Ethan asks, what? No hug. <gasps> Isn't he glad to see him, his old mate? Giles says he should have known that this whole stunt reeks of Ethan Rain. <gasps> Ethan's not denying no, it. No, of course not. Quite the opposite. He's proud of what he's done. Says it's the very embodiment of be careful what you wish for. Giles says it's sick, brutal, and it harms the innocent. Oh yes, because Giles is the champion of innocence in all things good and pure. Ethan says it's a nice act he's got going there. Mm. It's no act, it's who he is. Who he is, the Watcher. Mm-hmm. Sniveling tweed-clad guardian of the Slayer and her kin. No, he thinks not. He knows who Giles is, what he's capable of, and God damn, I love everything about this this conversation and this scene. It's a problem, y'all. It's an actual goddamn problem. Y'all, like, we cannot explain and we can't emphasize enough just how much of a problem. I mean, you've heard us all. You've heard us going on about Giles. Mm-hmm. Now that only like intensifies when Ethan Rain is in the yeah, vicinity. Because Ethan Rain brings out a whole new part of Giles. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I'm sorry. 
we've got it bad, and that ain't good. It's... Nah. Uh, this is what you have to deal with. You know, like, you came for the Buffy, and you stayed for the thirst. After a beat or two, Ethan smirks. They don't know, do they? They have no idea where he comes from. I remember there being, like, intense conversations after this episode as we all tried to figure out oh, yeah. what Giles's big secret was. Oh, yeah. Me and my friends, too. Like, we were like, what is, what are they talking about? Also, two things. One, this scene actually includes the phrase, he gets off on pathos when talking about Ethan. And when Giles gets mad, it does say, this is indeed a Giles we don't know. Oh. So. God, we need more scripts like this. Giles tells Ethan to break the spell. Break the spell and leave, never to return. Why should he? What's in the bargain for him? He gets to live. Ethan goes to tease him all. Oh, Rupert, you're scaring me. But Giles, not about it. And just lets into him. Sucker punching him before kneeing him in the face and just, yes, please. Can Giles beat up more people? Yes, Giles. I love that we get to see a new side of Giles. Mm -hmm. And Giles, don't beat up your ex-boyfriend. I know he's a dick. He just still loves you, Giles. He does. He just wants your attention. The gang finds an empty warehouse and heads inside just about the time Spike catches up with them. Angel leaves Buffy with Cordelia and goes to check for other entrances as Xander begins to barricade the door. Cordelia is just thrilled with the fact that there's more clinging. I love her little fabu. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's too many of them. And with just Xander working to barricade the door because, you know, Willow can't touch anything, they eventually get in. The gang scatters as Spike heads inside. Giles has apparently been wailing on Ethan for a while now, as Ethan is on the floor looking a bit worse for the wear and saying, here Giles said the Ripper was long gone. Tell him how to stop the spell. Ethan tells him to say pretty please and Giles kicks him. (sighs) We go back to the warehouse where Spike has cornered Buffy saying she's shaking, that she's terrified, alone, a lost little lamb. Okay, so clearly demons are holding back Xander, Cordy, and Angel. Willow, she can't do anything. She can't touch anything. Why isn't Angel trying to get Spike to stop? Like, there's no Spike. No, leave her alone. Look. I know the answer is they're setting up what is about to happen. Yeah. But still, once again, we are presented with Angel being all, oh, Buffy's about to die. I guess I'll just sit here and watch quietly. Yes. It's not a good look on him. No, no, it's definitely not. No. Tears roll down Buffy's cheek as Spike backhands her, mostly to test that this is real and she's not faking. Yes, yes. When she doesn't react except with more tears, he declares he loves it. (laughs) Oh no, I'm sorry. Angel does yell one Buffy. Yes. As Spike lays her down going in for the kill. Thanks, Angel. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, useless bastard. Ethan's still on the floor. Giles again asks how to break the spell, and this time Ethan relents, telling him to break the statue of Janos. He steps over Ethan and makes his way in that direction. Xander manages to break free of the demons holding him. He fights through them as Willow tells him that Spike, Spike is a guy he can shoot. Yes. (laughs) I also love that when Spike continues to get closer to Buffy's neck, you can now see that the wigs have changed. Yes, yes. She has on a much lesser quality one so that it will look better with what is about to happen. Yep. Picking up the statue, Giles flings it to the ground, shattering it. Immediately, things start to go back to normal. Xander 
Avengers gun once against a toy, Spike minions once against normal people, <laughs> most of whom are children and want to go home. <laughs> And Buffy, she's back to being Oh, Buffy. there she is. As Spike turns to see what's going on, he comes away with a brunette wig. Her blonde self again, Buffy sits up with a, Hi, honey, I'm home, <laughs> before punching him. The normal people scatter, and she and Spike fight, Buffy declaring that it's good to be her. The statue destroyed, Giles, teal ter- Giles turns to deal with Ethan, but he's gone. Of course he is. Realizing he's lost this round, Spike gets the hell out of there. Xander gives Buffy a welcome back as she says, you too. Cordelia says they remember what happened. And Xander tells her, yeah, it's like they were in there, but they couldn't get out. Remember that? Because we're going to talk about that in a moment. Yep. Cordelia says, yeah, she knows the feeling. Her costume is skin tight. (laughs) Angel also comes to check on Buffy. They leave together and Cordelia says, it's strange. She felt like she was talking. Her lips were moving. Xander tells her she's never going to get between them. Trust him. He's trying. Cordelia tells him he better get the kids back. And he says, yeah, everyone. Wait, where's Willow? Back in her body, yep. duh. Yep. She gets up and is about to put the sheet back on when she says, screw it, <laughs> and tosses it aside, striding off the porch and heading home. Right as Oz's van is rolling down the street, seeing her cross, he asks himself once more, who is that girl? The song playing here, which I love, is How She Died yep. by Trouble Charger. Yep. Kind of appropriate, seeing as how Willow was dressed as a ghost and died earlier <laughs> in the episode. Yep. Again, going to talk about well, that. Well, we're going to talk we're going to talk about the fallout of this episode in a minute. Also, we should note that Oz's van has the steering wheel in the position usually found in UK cars. Yep. The driver sits on the right while the passenger sits on the left. Apparently, the set director at the time said, had we been able to see inside Oz's van, we would have learned a lot more about him. There were black lights and a mirror ball, black light posters on the ceiling, beanbag chairs, the whole thing was carpeted. It was just wild. This, this, it sounds exactly like what Oz would have in a van. Yeah. Sounds like a van I would love to hang out in. Right? At Buffy's, Buffy emerges from the bathroom in sweats, declaring that it's just little old 20th century her. Angel, who's laying on her bed, says he doesn't get it. Why did she think he'd like her better dressed like that? She said she just wanted to be a real girl for once, to get all pretty like the girls he was interested in when he was her age. (laughs) Angel says he hated those girls, especially the noble women. And considering we mostly saw Liam in pubs with sex workers, I'll say that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He says he always wished he could meet someone more interesting. More interesting how? He says she knows how. And she says she's had a really long day. (laughs) So he should probably just tell her. He doesn't so much tell her as show her because they start with the kissage. Yeah, more kissing. For our last scene, we go to the next day. Giles once more goes by Ethan's shop, but it's cleared out, completely abandoned. However, there is a card waiting for him on one of the counters with just three simple words written on it. Be seeing you. (sighs) And just the expression on Giles' face. The camera lingers there for a moment and the end. Yay. Oh, love this episode so much. So much. But okay, let's talk about how highly traumatic the events of this night were. So I want to say one thing quick because we do actually see later on Xander using the knowledge Mm -hmm. that he had from turning into the soldier. So this... He uses it twice. Twice, yep, yep. So yeah, so they do actually come back to this that they remember everything that happened. So... Yeah. So this is not... This is actually one of the few threads we don't drop. Yes. Like, it is made very clear that they they retain knowledge and remember the events of this night. Yep. Okay. 
So we're just going to start off with the fact Willow fucking died. Yes. Which she takes like a trooper, but come on. She doesn't just go transparent or shift into a ghost form. She fucking stops breathing and drops dead on someone's front porch. Yes. And when she becomes a ghost, she emerges from her own body. Yep. That means anyone dressed like a goat that night actually died. Yep, for the whole- Children actually died. (laughs) Yep, yes. What the fuck? Yes. I know, it is very, you know, I keep keep going back to Gravity Falls, but the, the summer weed episode with the one kid, at the end he's like, I've been traumatized. That's how I I feel about all these poor kids in this town. Also, like we just said, Xander says that they were inside their bodies, trapped, like they couldn't get out. And we we know that they retain the knowledge and the memories of what happened from this night. Yep. That means anyone dressed like a monster or a vampire, if they hurt or God forbid killed someone, they were stuck witnessing that and remembering that. Yep. Giles was not wrong when he called this whole thing sick and cruel. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it goes beyond. And I mean, it's amazing because it like you watch the episode the first time, even like the second or third time. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so funny. Everyone's their costumes. And then you think about it and you exactly. just you realize how absolutely twisted what Ethan did was. Exactly. And again, like when you realize later on down the line, when Xander talks about how he has that knowledge from when he was a soldier, it really hits you again, just how twisted the whole thing is. And I know like a lot of what they do in the episode is play for laughs. Yeah. But it really does go deeper. Yeah. Like what if Angel had staked that guy in like Buffy's house? Yep. There would have been a dead body with a stake in it. Yeah. Come morning in her kitchen. Yeah. Like it's just, and I mean that that's part of the brilliance of the show. It is. It is. Is that they managed to do these things that, you know, like we said, you watch the first couple of times and you're like, this is hysterical. And you watch it later and you're like, oh. And a lot of it, a lot of it also comes now that we're older. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know we've said before that, you know, we want if you wish that we could watch it again for the first time. But watching it again and as an adult, you realize so much that you missed when oh, yeah. we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, and things that if somebody was older than we were watching it, you know, they probably would have gotten it a lot more. Yeah. You know, somebody with more life experiences. And plus, now that we're older and we've seen it so much, and especially now that we're doing this podcast, we look for things. Mm-hmm. We watch it a lot closer than we did. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It really is brilliant. It, it really is. I mean, I know as cheesy as the show can get sometimes... It really is brilliantly done. Oh, absolutely. There is an absolute brilliance to this show that I think it's what it gives it its staying power. It it makes it to this day like one of the best shows that has ever been on television. Yeah, I mean, and I know like a lot of people want to forget about it because Mm -hmm. of the creator. But so many people put so much love and attention into this show mm-hmm. that I just it, it's and and we've we've talked about it before being close to Buffy's age being teenage girls when this show came out it was very important it was very important it was very important like a lot of our formative years were spent with this show and again like they they took a lot of the tropes and turned them on the head and it helped you deal with a lot of things 
It really did. You know, and it wasn't, it didn't preach to you the way some after school specials did, but it still made sure that you were careful about, you know, what you were doing. And they just did it in a supernatural way. And this episode, I love this episode so much. I know. Oh, this episode. Like I said, we're just, we're getting into that, like that bunch of them. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Cause lie to me is next. Lie to me is next. And talk about episodes with life lessons. Oh, that episode, yeah. Lied, yeah, these yeah. next few episodes are really good, and I'm really excited about, about getting there. And then as we're, as we're going, we're learning more about Giles. We're learning so much more about Giles. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot about Giles very soon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry in advance, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just, keep hitting, just keep hitting that 15-second thing on your podcast app. If, just go past us, waxing poetic and freaking out (laughs) okay that's it for this week thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season two episode seven lie to me until then check out our various social media channels all of which will be listed in the show notes and if you like the show and you want to let us know it you can subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com bye bye